All right. Well, good morning. I heard some of you. It's good to see your faces. Actually, last week this time, none of us thought we would be here this Sunday, but it is 2020, so buckle up. So encouraged to see you. Actually, when uh, we got news on Sunday afternoon that the Pace Center would be closed and we immediately began to figure out what to do, part of me got very excited because in the three and a half years that we've been a, a church, a local church together, I had the realization that what we're doing today, at least historically and even uh, across the globe today, is the most normal thing that we've done as a church in three and a half years. Throughout church history, the church has, has struggled to gather together and to uh, do whatever it takes to, to be in each other's presence. And so uh, right now, as we gather in, in, in uh, Central Asia, there, there, there's believers coming together under the cover of darkness and, and in hiding just to be with one another, to encourage one another, to praise God together and, and to pray and, um, and lift up His name. That's happening right now. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sorry about my mic. I'm going to try to get that worked out. Um, the uh, the other thing I was thinking about, I heard this story today of, uh, uh, not today, but I heard it this week of a few of our brothers and sisters in a, a North African country where it's so dangerous for them to gather and acknowledge Jesus publicly, but it's so important that they do that one by one in silence, they come and they sit and they're in each other's rooms and apartments, but they won't say anything. They won't pray out loud and they won't praise out loud, but they just, for the encouragement of being next to believers in Christ, they're it's worth it for them. Even though if they were found out by their own government or their own family, they would be put to death. So what we're doing right now is normal. <laughs> that, the fact that we have dogs with us and the kids playing, like this is normal. Well, what's abnormal is American Christianity that says we got to have comfort, comfort comfortable seats, um, smoke machines and, and lasers, all those things. That's abnormal in church history. So... Well, welcome. We're going to be in Matthew chapter uh, 24 this morning. If you have your Bible, we're just continuing on through our series. If you're new here, uh, my name is Mark. It's just my privilege to open up God's Word with you this morning. Go to your phone, Matthew chapter 24. As you're working there, I was thinking of um, uh, the, the very first time I took Jennifer to Asia. The year was 2000. And after flying through the night uh, and landing in Taiwan... Uh, the, the, we, we didn't know that we had a long layover and the airport officials say, hey, this airport's closing, you have to leave. And, and we're like, what? And so we're scrambling and eventually we get to go to the hotel. We, we find a hotel, we get up on the seventh floor and actually it's kind of awesome for me. It's year 2000, uh, Kobe and Shaq were in the middle of their first championship run and I got to watch that. And, and I, Jennifer went to bed and about 1.30 in the morning I went to bed but at 2.13 in the morning, we were woken up by the first of many earthquakes we would experience in Asia. And on the seventh floor, it began to sway violently, a 6.9 earthquake. And we got up, we didn't know what we were doing, and we went into the bathroom and just kind of held on to each other. And the building is designed for earthquakes there, but on the seventh floor, it feels like you're on a ship that is just rocking back and forth. That was our first experience with earthquakes, but we had many, many more. 
In 2011, the, the massive 9.0 earthquake off the coast of Sendai hit northern Japan and uh, killed 20,000 people with the tsunami that came after that. A few weeks after that, I was in the airport in Tokyo, and they had been experiencing all sorts of aftershocks. And, and me and my buddy were in the, in the lounge upstairs, and it began to rock violently again. And when that began to happen, the Japanese people began to run everywhere and scream out loud. It was, it was a scene. And me and my buddies sitting in our chairs just looked at each other, shaking, and like, what are we going to do? There, there's, there's nowhere to run. It would take us like 20 minutes to get out of this airport. We're just going to sit through this. And it, it was rocking. Uh, one more earthquake story, and there are many, but, but maybe my favorite one as I was preaching in the book of Acts. And I was preaching about that, that scene where uh, the, the disciples are in prison and God sends an earthquake to let them out. And when I said God sends an earthquake, no joke, an earthquake hit in church that morning. And everyone paid attention all of a sudden to what I was saying. They're like, no way. You said earthquake and, and now there's an earthquake going on right now. The reason I mentioned that is because uh, earthquakes are, are especially unsettling because what you thought just a second before was so secure and so uh, rock solid in that moment, realization hits and we're all just floating on magma right now. And you realize that there's nothing solid and, and secure in this world as, as much as you think. And in fact, 2020 has, has been a kind of earthquake for all of us in different ways. Lord willing, a day is coming where we will all continue to tell our stories about 2020 and, and the way that it just shook us financially or relationally. Or, and some of us, maybe most of us, there's just been kind of little tremors. Others, they've been kind of 9.0 with aftershocks. And we're, we've probably all said to one another, hey, uh, 2020 can't get, 2021 can't get here soon enough. And we joke about that, but we all know Nothing magical is going to happen on January 1st, 2021, unless that's the day Jesus comes back. Because the reality is that we live in a world that is shaking. And the things that we thought were so secure and confident, whether it's our bank accounts, our jobs, our health, our economy, all the things that were just booming earlier this year and and are shaking right now, it is the world that we live in. And it's not wrong for us to hope for and dream for a day when all that's gone. In fact, the passage we're going to look at today, that's part of what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to lean into eternity, into a day when he does come and set all things right. But he's also, because he loves us, he's going to say very hard things to the disciples and to you and me. And and at first you're going to be like, wow, that's rough. But he loves us enough to tell us the truth. And, and the truth is, on this side of eternity, with the brokenness of this world, earthquakes are going to come. They'll come in the form of cancer. They'll come in the form of car accidents. All of us are just one text or phone call away from a 9.0 shaking us to the very core. And Jesus knew this going into his very last days and, and teaching his disciples. In Matthew 24 and 25, he, he does what's called the Olivet Discourse, where he talks about the end of history. When all things are, are done, uh, and as he's teaching them, these passages are, are some of the most uh, misinterpreted, controversial verses in all the Bible. What, what people like to do with Matthew 24 and 25 is try to read into them and determine the exact time uh, when Jesus is going to come back. 
which is kind of ironic because that's not Jesus's point at all. His point is, hey, this is this side of life is going to suck. Often, it's going to be really, really hard. It's going to be really painful for you, but press on. I have overcome the world, he says in John chapter 16. And so if you have your Bible, Jesus is going to show us three things in Matthew 24 this morning. He's going to show us that we we are called to... Man, this wind is going to be hard. Let's try this. I'm just fold that over. Okay, we are called to trust in his authority, to persevere in his power, and to live for his purpose on the earth. If we align our lives and wrap our lives around those things then no no matter what the world throws at us, he assures us we will overcome. So Matthew chapter 24. Before I jump into it, let me just set the the scene again. Jesus is setting up how the end will come, how how all of history will come to its conclusion, at least on this side of eternity. And and so we'll pick it up in verse 1. Listen carefully. This is God's word. Since Jesus left the temple and was going away, when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple... So the temple, you got to understand, this was a massive, uh, just Herod's temple was quite a, a scene in the ancient Near East. And most of these disciples are just country guys from Galilee. They've been to the temple before, but, but they're looking around. And in, in Mark chapter 13, verse 1, it's, the disciples say, Jesus, look at this building. What magnificent, magnificent building it is. Look at the large stones. And the historian Josephus tells us that these stones were just absolutely massive. They had all these contraptions to set them in place. And and so they're like tourists looking around at this massive building. Kind of like me in in 2001, just a few weeks before September 11th, I'm standing at the base of the World Trade Center and I'm looking up and I'm I'm like, wow, that is amazing. The ingenuity, how, how how did they do that? And so the, the disciples are looking at the temple. They're marveling. And they're like, Jesus, th- this, is, this is the temple. This is the epicenter of our faith. Isn't this amazing, Jesus? But Jesus wants us to trust in his authority. And so he says something that is absolutely shocking to them in verse 2. He answered them, you see all these? Do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. This is unthinkable. First of all, because the building is so big and so um, intimidating. Secondly, it is the center of where, where God dwells with his people on earth. How is that possible, Jesus? And what Jesus said here in the year 33 AD takes place in the year 70 AD, in the lifetime of most, most of the guys that he says this to. He says, you see these stones? Not one of them will be left on top of the other. And in 70 AD, the Romans came into Jerusalem, tired of the revolts of the Jews, and they, they destroyed the temple, the very epicenter of their faith. In church history class, I asked my professor, I said, well, how, how did they actually, how did they actually uh, fulfill this prophecy of Jesus? Because Jesus has authority over all time, and he's, he's pointing to something near term, so that when he points to things far term, like his return, we have confidence and trust in him. And I said, how did it happen? Professor said, oh, that was easy. They, they used fire and water. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, after they came in and killed everybody and, and made a sacrifice of a pig on, on the altar, uh, they, uh, they took all the surrounding houses and, and the wood and they put it up against the walls and they lit it on fire and they got the, the walls of the temple white hot and then they poured water on it and they shattered like ice cubes over with hot water. 
And then they took the stones and they threw it out. They wanted to absolutely decimate the temple. And Jesus said, this is going to happen. And it happens about 40 years later. Jesus wants to show them and us that he has authority over all history. He says, let me tell you this. But, but the other thing that he wants us to see is to uh, persevere in his power. So he begins to tell them the truth. Verse 3, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. So what Jesus is about to tell the disciples and you and me is for our perseverance. It's like this life, he's going to say eight things that are terrible and one thing that is very, very good that outshadows them all. But he says, see that no one leads you astray. Persevere, endure to the end. Verse five, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will see, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. <coughs> and that's about the most 2020 thing possible. All of us could pull out our phones right now, go to any national or international news source, and we could read about wars and rumors of wars. Like we have this access, we have this kind of pseudo omniscience in 2020. I say pseudo because in almost real time, we can hear about things going on on the other side of the planet or the other side of the country and just hear of all the tragic things. So we have pseudo omniscience without omnipotence. We can't do anything about it. Turkey is about to invade Greece right now. Did you know that? Our our Greek Greek missionaries are, are worried that Turkey is about to invade Greece as we speak. But we can't do anything about it. So we just stack on this weight and this burden with, with no omnipotence. And it just is crushing us to be so, so connected to the world without a, any ability to do anything about it. And Jesus says, that's going to happen. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. He says, but this, see that you are not alarmed. It's like, don't freak out. When the news headlines come across your phone or your TV, don't freak out. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. Verse 7, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. (coughs) And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. This is is the bad news. These are the eight things that are are going to go badly for you on this side of eternity, he says. (coughs) Excuse me. My wife had any water? Can I have that? (laughs) Can I have some? We're in the park. Don't worry about it. Thank you. All right, take it with me. Well, that's hot. That's good. Look at where did my communion go? That's awesome. Okay. Okay, so where was I? Verse, oh. So those are the eight bad things. And then verse 13. But the one who endures, the one who perseveres in his power, the one who makes it to the end will be saved. 
Is that, that that is the aim and the goal, endurance, pressing on, staying faithful to the very end, will be saved. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus just gave us a clue about when he's coming back. This gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. So, uh, theologian and pastor from the 1950s, George Ladd, said this about verse 14. Verse 14 of Matthew chapter 24 is the most important single verse in the Word of God for the people of God. It's the most important single verse in the Word of God for the people of God. So we'll read it again. And this gospel will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. (coughs) So the third thing we are called to do is to live for His purpose. And He just told us what His purpose is. To know Him and to make Him known. To live for His kingdom and, and among our neighbors and the nations to point them to Him. If you're a follower of Christ and you have breath in your lungs, that's your purpose. That's why you still exist. If you're not a follower of Christ, the invitation for you today is to become one. He'll go on in verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He, He came the first time in a manger to bring salvation. He's coming again on the clouds to bring His rule and reign to judge the nations. Verse 30, then will appear, appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why, why will all the tribes of the earth mourn? Because if they haven't turned and trusted in Him, in that moment it will be too late. And they'll see Him as King of kings and Lord of lords, and they will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds and of heaven and with power and great glory. And He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet, and they will gather His elect, you and me, from the four winds, from one another, one end of heaven to the other. Verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So we are, as God's people, called to confidently watch for his coming, to patiently wait. We don't know the time or the hour, and to urgently work for that day. George Ladigan says this, do you love the Lord's appearing, his second coming? Do you love that? Then you will bend every effort to take the gospel into all the world. It troubles me in light of the clear teaching of God's word, in light of the Lord's explicit definition of our task in the Great Commission, that we take it so lightly. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. This is good news of the kingdom. All authority is his. Go ye therefore. Wherefore? Because all authority, all power is His. And because He is waiting until we have finished our task. His is the kingdom. He reigns in heaven. And He manifests His reign on earth in and through His church. When we have accomplished our mission, He will return and establish His kingdom in glory. To us it is given not only to wait for, but also to hasten the coming of the day of God. This is the mission of the gospel of the kingdom, and this is our mission. This is why we still exist, church. 
for our neighbors and our nations to make the king and the kingdom known. And I think 2020 has provided us an opportunity of a lifetime in this way. As the earthquakes of this world are shaking the foundations of people's lives, they are wondering, is there anything solid and secure? There is. There's a king in the kingdom that is unshakable. And and so we trust in his authority, we persevere in his power, and we live for his purpose because a day is coming. Well, imagine it, if you will, right now, 10 billion years from now. I mean, 100 years from now, we'll probably all be gone. Maybe some of the littlest won't. But, but 10 billion years from now, what will that day be like? What will you be experiencing in that moment? You'll be experiencing more and more and more of the power and the glory and the joy of the presence of God with the people of God. That's 10 billion years from now. And then 30 trillion years from now, the same thing. More than 10 billion years, it'll feel like you had just begun. And so we get to press into that. We get to live for that. And when this earth shakes, and Jesus says it will, that's our opportunity. That's our chance to tell the world the good news of Jesus. It it reminds me of the very last page of the last book in the Chronicles of Narnia. In the last battle, to end the book, here's what C.S. Lewis says. And Aslan spoke. He no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had, been, had only been the cover and title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. God wants us to set our minds on things above, to put our hearts in that. So no matter what happens, no matter how much suffering, no matter how much trial that you face for the next year, week, 10 years, 50 years, in light of eternity, it'll be like that. So church, let us be that kind of people. Let us this week trust in his authority, persevere in his power, and work diligently for his purposes.